Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and it's time for another Fixing Fables. I'm going to text Mark and have him just edit all of that right out. <laughs> I'm going to text him that I'll fire his wife if he does. How's that? Um, okay. That's not true, folks. All right, Habakkuk 1.5, that's the verse we're going to fix today. Uh, Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. So that's Habakkuk 1.5. Commonly misused, it's used in many churches to actually argue for missions, which blew me away when I found this out. I'm like, what? but they use it to argue for missions of going out into the unreached places with the gospel. And it's the idea that, see, we're going to see something wonderful. Uh, so here's actually how one mission agency put it. Uh, we are determined to let God live his life in us. That's nice. Of how, yeah. yeah, I was going to say how. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, and to do his work through us. A work we are convinced that far exceeds anything we could believe or even conceive. And then they give reference to this passage as their proof text. Uh, Our own Southern Baptist uh, North American Mission Board site has an article about waiting on God. And the author references a promise of Genesis 12, 3, where Abraham is promised that through him all the nations shall be blessed. And then uh, the author, she connects this. Again, it's like, I had snarking comments I wanted to say, but she then connects Genesis 12, 3, the Abrahamic promise, uh, with Habakkuk 1, 5, and says that this is what God is pointing backward to the Abrahamic promise to bless the nation. So she says, see, when Habakkuk, God tells Habakkuk that, that he's actually thinking backwards to Genesis 12, 3, and this Abrahamic blessing. I'm like, no, not no, no. Hence, we're going to fix this fable. How about another one, though, uh, just because this is the way I am, uh, from a church's website. God is always working to extend the message of his salvation to the ends of the earth. Graciously, he has allowed First Baptist Church to participate with him in this mission. And then they leave the verse. They quote the verse. And if you leave the verse alone without any context, you can preach this text in some really fun and exciting ways. Word of Faith will pull this one out and make all sorts of claims of doing great things or that that God will do great things and we just need to believe it. But what makes this a dangerous passage to misunderstand is the phrase, I am doing something in your days, because it implies that this is a promise that we can claim for our day and our life. You know, break out that checkbook, buy that plane ticket to some faraway country, go into some new neighborhood to live, because God is going to do something wonderful and astonishing in and through you. That preaches. Sure does. It's just not what it's about. Yeah. It's it, So in reality, it's something far different, right? So we would acknowledge, yes, God is a missionary God. 
but this is not the passage for that. Uh, God, yes, does amazing things, and we have ample evidence of it throughout history, even to this day. Um, this is not really the passage for that again. No. Uh, th- this passage is actually a word of judgment and a rebuke of God's people. See, now there you go, bringing us down. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> so it's speaking of God actually raising up a terrible and a violent people. Uh, these people known as the Chaldeans or the Babylonians to become a world power. And God is going to use this nation actually to discipline his own rebellious people, Israel. Um, so when he talks about do something in your days, it's the days of Israel, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so a little background to make this clear. In the realm of world powers, Assyria is now faded away uh, and Babylon is at the height of its power. And so by this time, the 10 tribes of Israel, which were the rebellious tribes, they had fallen and were swept away into captivity in 722 in Assyria. Uh, and then in 704, Sennacherib became king of Assyria, leading to widespread spread revolt by Judah, which was made up of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, right. the southern. So these are the other two of the 12 tribes. Right. Um, the king was, was a godly one at this time named Hezekiah. In the history of Israel, you have good king, bad king, good king, bad king, just... Then bad king, bad king, and yeah, then, captivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the, at this point, though, it was a godly one. His name was Hezekiah, and he's leading them in revolting um, against him, essentially. And so prior to that, they were a vassal under Assyria. They appeared to be ready for destruction by God. Um, but he, but he rescued them, yeah. yeah. Um, and you can read about that in Isaiah 39. At the end of Hezekiah's reign, uh, you then have Manasseh, who's his son, and he takes over and he now is exceedingly evil. And he brings in the gods of Assyria and of Canaan. And in 2 Kings 21.6, we see him actually offering one of his own sons to be sacrificed to the god Molech, which is just vile. Yeah. Um, and so great evil abounded in those days. And then his son Ammon was also an evil king. And so then after... Ammon comes Josiah, who again, now he's a good king. Now he was a child king. Yeah. Was he like 12? 12, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, what he did is he tore down the false places of worship. He rejected that idolatry and reinstated the worship of Yahweh. But the end uh, was near. Um, Too late would Judah respond. And after Josiah and evil abounded all the more in this small nation, which was supposedly devoted to God. Right. And so, yeah, from that point on, all the other kings are evil. They all come under, uh, uh, they're subjected under this true king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, their vassal king. So they're just puppets. So things are now completely out of control in Judah. And this is where good old Habakkuk gets called by God to speak. And he's and Habakkuk, in his writing, he's greatly disturbed. And so the prophet opens up with these words. He says in Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? He's not talking about outside of Israel or Judah. He's talking about within the country itself. And cause me to look on wickedness. Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Basically, what you have is a complaint of a righteous man 
who is assaulted in every way when he sees the wickedness triumph among God's people. And he is wanting to know, why will God not act? Now, that's important for you to understand because it's in that context of a wicked nation in open rebellion and a righteous prophet asking God why he will not intervene. And the words of verse 5 are now uttered by God. And he tells Habakkuk, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. So he actually says, stop looking inward. You need to look outward. You need to look outward, not for missions, <laughs> you know, but look outward and see the bigger picture because I'm doing something and it's not something that you would have ever imagined. And so God takes Habakkuk's head, turns it away from Judah toward those nations. It's from there that God is going to act. But how? Well, by doing a great saving work, by doing a great saving work among the Gentiles, no. By blessing the nations through Abraham, like that one woman said, no. The answer is found in verse six. It says, "For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, which is the Babylonians, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize to seize dwelling places which are not theirs." So literally just read the next verse. Yeah. How hard is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, in fact, would, would we not agree that most of the fables we're going to fix, if they would just read the next verse or two? Yeah. And I was just reflecting again how we're in the Old Testament. It seems to be that the Old Testament is taken out of context far more than the New Testament. I would actually argue that's true. And I would argue that it comes down for many uh, because of their faulty hermeneutic, but that's for another series. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so th the thing that makes this so <laughs> astonishing is that these are here truly evil people, these Chaldeans, and yet God will use them for his holy purposes. This is not something the prophet Habakkuk would expect nor desire, and yet it's, it's, it is exactly what God did. And frankly, it's the same for us, especially we as Americans who love triumphalism. You know, we always want that happy ending. Uh, you know, listen to the many sermons on marriage or child rearing, and seldom will you hear that being a faithful, godly wife or godly hus husband might actually result in a broken marriage for you, <laughs> if you're being faithful, right? Um, Yet Jesus actually promised it. I've come to bring a sword yeah. and divide, right? Um no, it, so it's not about healing your marriage uh, or putting passion back into your marriage or anything like that. Um, and certainly seldom are you ever going to hear that God has actually come to divide or break your marriage. Yeah. Um, Habakkuk is a good book for us to learn these days. For he, he, you know, he speaks of the ways God works in this world, how he does things and uses nations and people in ways that we would not expect. And in the hands of the one true God and holy God, evil is actually used for God's purposes. And there are times when God acts where all we can do is just sit, we be silent, we close our mouths and just be astonished. And if we were to be wise, we would also be afraid. And when God shakes our world in judgment, it is a very frightening time. So that's the purpose of this little verse. Uh, if you want to hear a whole sermon on it, uh, then we're going to provide a link for you in the notes. Uh, one of our church planters, Grayson Gilbert, he's preaching through this book right now at our church, and he's doing a fine job. So the link or missiodayfellowship.org. And so if you on your website have this verse quoted for your missions, take it off. Please find a better verse like Matthew 28 or something. Anyhow, 
Lord bless. On that note. Yeah. What are we supposed to say? <laughs> have We're a good day. Yeah. Have a good day. Like <laughs> us. Tell friends and stuff. <laughs>